This is Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room And it's time for another of our In Conversation series. In this town You're out of luck Each week we catch up with a present or former Yobotown player or a celebrity fan to discuss their life within the sport. And we catch up with a bit of their favourite music as well. And tonight's guest, we've just popped over to South Carolina, would you believe, to catch up with Lee Morris. Right, well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. And we've just popped over to South Carolina. It's only just around the corner, and uh, I've caught up with Lee Morris. Lee, how are you? I'm good, cheers, Harry. Pal, how are you? I'm great, mate, and it's really good to catch up with you again um, after our abortive mission at Derby County, but we'll come to that in a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how's life in America? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, cheers. It's a a little bit of a different um, change of pace. The weather's a little bit different than what it was back home, but... um... Yeah, so far so good. Cheers, Paul. Brilliant, brilliant. That's okay. Well, at the moment over here, it is absolutely glorious. It's about 75 degrees. The sun's been out all day. It's lovely. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So Which, I'm reading and everybody's locked in, locked inside, aren't they? I know, this is it. You sit out in the garden and you think, oh, this is wonderful. Great. <laughs> and, you know, what a, what a lovely life it is. And then suddenly you think, oh, hang on a minute. It's not quite as lovely as you think it is. <laughs> but, uh, Hopefully so, for not uh, too much longer, eh? Well, I hope not. But uh, it's it's horrendously worrying when you see the number of people that are, are dying. Well, you've got it over there as much as we've got it over here. And it, it's horrendous, I think, when you, when you look at it. I mean, it's going to be yeah. well over half a million, I should think, by the time they finish. Because I we actually in South Carolina we've got a bit of optimism. I believe Saturday was the first day for a few months that um, statistics showed nobody actually passed away from it. Oh, um, so the numbers are coming right down here, which is yeah, is really yeah. exciting, you know. Yeah, it is absolutely. So um, let's go back to to Nottingham Forest in particular because. Who can ever forget that day? That was one hell of a day, wasn't it? Can you remember it? God, dear, yeah. Um, it's funny, it popped up on, uh, like, Facebook and yeah. Instagram the other day, so uh, I posted posted something on mine about it just because it was, uh, you know, that was like a career highlight for me. It was right up there with one of the best days, and uh, I'll never forget that night. Uh, brilliant now, it was. Now, you scored the, was it the fourth goal? Yeah. Yeah, I thought goal. I was going to be the hero. Then they went straight up the pitch and scored again. <laughs> what, so what did that feel like? Having just scored and you thought this is it, we've cracked it now, and then they do that. God dear, it was a 
it was an unbelievable excitement, then a hammer blow. Yeah. And then when Davo scored in the last minute, you know, it was uh, it was one of the best feelings, you know. I think yeah. when he scored that one, we knew they weren't coming back. That was it, done. Um, but yeah, brilliant. And you set him up for that one, didn't you? Yeah, golden assist that night. It was a good night for me personally. I uh, I was just thinking about it because um, obviously having all the injury problems the year before, yeah, um, it got to extra time, and I'm looking around thinking I'm probably the prime candidate to uh, to get subbed off. But I thought I was playing well, right? So as as full time blue, and we were going to extra time. I've run off the field and said to Slady, "I'm not going off. I'm not going off." And said, "You're damn right, you're not going off." <laughs> um, <laughs> and then luckily I scored and. Scored and got the assist in extra time, so yeah, it was pleasing. Did you get on well with Russell Slade? Mm. Yeah, I loved Russ. I loved him. He was uh, obviously he was my youth team coach um, at Sheffield United, so uh, I'd had a couple of years with him there, and then you know got into the first team uh, at United whilst he was still youth team coach and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, my relationship was long before Yeovil, and mm. and he kind of. He saved me after having a couple of years injured at Leicester. Uh, he rang me up in in the summer and said, "I'm I'm going to Yeovil and we'll get you back fit. I want you to come and play for me." So there, there was nowhere else I was going to go. It was it was random after you know being at Derby and Leicester to go to Yeovil, but um, mm. I knew he could he could help me get back on track. Actually, I, I nearly had to pull this interview because I read somewhere. I'm just trying to find it here and I can't now, but. You actually had the audacity to score a goal at Old Trafford. Who? You did. Me? Yeah. I wish I had. No, yeah, we we won at Old Trafford. I never scored. Oh, oh well, in that case, I'll let when you I off. When was at Derby, Just, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, um, we had two games to go. Man United were crowned champions already. And we basically, we had Man United away and Ipswich at home when I was at Derby. And we needed to win one of the last two to stay up in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and so obviously that was the era with Beckham and Scholes and all of them so we'd pretty much written off Man United away um, and then we, we went to Old Trafford 1-1-0 um, and it could have been more actually Mali missed an open goal to make it two but yeah anyway we won at Old Trafford but me I never scored against them sadly could have been the end of a brutal friendship, really, but uh, thankfully... <laughs> hey, you can keep telling people that I did if you like. I don't mind. <laughs> well, I read it somewhere. I don't know. I thought it was in here. But anyway, we won't go on about that now. But uh, time for a musical break. And the first of Lee's choice of music is Do I Want to Know by the Arctic Monkeys. Drink 
Sheffield boys, the Arctic monkeys there, and do I want to know? But, but let's go back a bit because uh, you started your career at uh, York City in your youth days, yeah, and then yeah. and then ended up at Sheffield United again in your youth career. So that's where you first touched yeah. base with Russell Slade, yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah. We uh, I grew up out near Bridlington and Scarborough, um, right. and York was York was really local to me. Um, yeah. So I had a couple of years there, but then my dad's my dad's a Sheffield United legend. Um, so we had we had close ties with her. I grew up kind of following them because you know watching my dad play. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I wound up wound up going there, and um, 
Howard Kendall was in charge and brought Russell um, brought Russell with him, and so I, I knew knew Russ from when I was an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, Russell was the one he, he kind of worked. I, I loved him in the youth team and wound up getting my, my big chance at Sheffield United um, with his help, really. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I loved him. I loved him to bits. No, I always got well with Russell. He was a nice chap, I must admit. And um, in 1997, then, you, you actually signed on uh, for Sheffield United full-time and 38 appearances. This is according to Wikipedia, which is always wrong, I hasten to add, but uh, <laughs> that's my Bible, so we'll, we'll go with it. And uh, you scored eight goals in that first uh, first sort of spell there. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think I actually played. I, I don't think Wikipedia was tracking. I think it only had league appearances. That's right, now. yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of my best career moments was in the cup, which is isn't recorded on there. I don't think where we we beat Coventry in the cup quarterfinals um, again in extra time. We were championship and they were uh, Premier League at the time. And um, I was a young kid at, at, at the time. You got five subs in the FA Cup and only three in the league. Right. So I was getting on the bench. I was only seventeen. I'm getting on the bench in the FA Cup, but they're not making any league teams. So we were we were losing two one with like twenty minutes to go, and uh, he, so he threw me on, and it wound up going to extra time. So I got a bonus thirty minutes on. Then we won on penalties, um, and the lad who scored the winning goal was a kid called Wayne Quinn, who went on to have a good career. Well, me and Quinny looked a bit alike. We had the same like floppy blonde hair, and I got carried off the field by United fans thinking that I was Quinny that scored the winning goal. <laughs> <laughs> Did you take? You didn't take one of the penalties at all then. Nah, I was, no. I was 17. I was like a rabbit in the headlights. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd come on and had a good game, but I wasn't quite ready for that. But uh, what happened, you know, I mean, for you to be a 17-year-old, or was it slightly later than that, and you get transferred for £3 million, I mean, that must have been a huge boost to your morale, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was uh, um, I was 19 at the time when I, when I got the move to Derby. It had been on the cards for a while, um, but I'd broken my foot, and so it got put back. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I kind of, um, I'd been linked with a couple of clubs and stuff, and then Derby came in with a bid, and I just got a phone call saying, you're going, basically. Chef United were financially struggling at the time, right. um, and so... Um, that was it. I got a call on Sunday night saying you're going to Derby. I went to Derby on the on the Monday and then started against Tottenham on the Saturday. Um, it was all kind of just a whirlwind, you know. I didn't really um, didn't really know what what was happening. Yeah, I was only a young kid, and so yeah, it was all it was a real exciting time. And then I broke my foot in the third game against Chelsea and, and missed the rest of the season. So it was kind of like total excitement followed by heartbreak pretty quickly. But I mean, uh, you know, to, to, to be to be valued at that sort of figure, I think I'm right in saying it was uh, you were the highest priced record pr- price for a teenager to be transferred at the time. Um, you know, I mean, apart from being financially quite in, quite nice, I expect. But um, you know, it must have been pretty special, I should think. Yeah, it was it was exciting. I mean, that I look back now, it seems like a, a different life. Uh, you know, it was playing in the Premier League and I was making England under-18s, under-21 squads and there was uh, Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Ashley Cole, players like that that mm. um, I was lucky enough to be in squads with and stuff. And 
um, our team at the time at Derby, you know, we had Rory Delap and Seth Johnson, Stefano Iranio, Ravinelli came and King Cladzi. It was, uh, you know, there were some unbelievable players that I was I was lucky enough to play with at the time. And I, you know, you're a kid, you don't really appreciate it. It's only now when you look back and think, God, yeah, that was that was yeah. some time. What was, um, what was King, King Cladzi like to play life. with? Um, he was he was special um, both ways really he was unbelievably good on his day and then some days he'd turn up and you could have subbed him off after 10 minutes because he just clearly it was a bit too cold for him or he wasn't bothered And yeah. um, but he was you know phenomenally good on his day he was unplayable um, uh, he, again he was one of them that you look back and think god dear some of the stuff he did was unthinkable hmm. um, but he was pretty inconsistent with it when he was at Derby Ravinelli on the other hand I suppose was um, you know experienced he'd be, he must have been well not getting on but he sort of was mature shall we say yeah yeah he was uh, he came at a time when um, he was really exciting I can remember being so excited when he came to Derby um, but I was number 11 and then obviously he his career he'd always wore number 11 so he took my number off me mm-hmm. um, and then he was he was just coming to the end of his career and you could see he did flashes in training that were like top top class mm. but he just never really got going at Derby then he had a bad injury and missed a few months and it, it never really worked out for him and he was just at the end of end of his time really you know and on, on his way down which it was a shame because he could have been he could have been the saviour for us and it, it wound up just going the wrong way for him more music now and this time we have a band called the Core Tenors not 19 forever <laughs> Thank you. 
was the core tenors and a song called Not 19 Forever. Pardo Solicitors, the friendly law firm based in the heart of Somerset with offices in Yeovil, Taunton and Bridgewater with a strong ethos of helping those in our community. If in doubt, check it out with Pardo's on a free no obligation call or subscribe to our free podcast, The Friendly Law Podcast. For more information, call 0800 862 or visit pardos.co.uk. Pardos Solicitors, looking after you, your family and your business. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakeley on 01935 479913. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. Horse racing is the sport of kings, and here at Hot to Trot Racing, we have the perfect way to experience the thrill of racehorse ownership at the highest level, but at a fraction of the cost. Hot to Trot Racing operate three syndicates, two on the flat and one over jumps, with each costing just over £2,000 for an all-inclusive share per year. Each syndicate has at least five leased horses who are based with leading trainers in the UK, like Clive Cox, Roger Charlton and Nicky Henderson. A syndicate member's benefits include communication, a diverse schedule of events, badges for racing when a syndicate have a runner, hospitality during the season, including our end-of-season lunch, and a share of the prize money earned by the horses. For more details, contact Sam Hoskins at sam at hottotrotracing.com. Hot to Trot Racing, the sport of kings. Support Yeovil Town Football Club. 
then you must log on to the Green Army Facebook page. It's the number one YTFC fan site. Find them on Facebook and Twitter. Join up and have your say. The Green Army Facebook page. You moved on and ended up. We had a little loan spell at um, uh, Huddersfield Town, but you moved on to Leicester. Now, was it at Leicester where your injury problems started? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd had um, I broke my foot a couple of times at Derby and been had a couple of niggles, but nothing, nothing too serious. Uh, yeah. But Leicester, it just all. I had just a tough time. I pulled my quad on the first day of training. Oh God! Um, wound up trying to come back too quick from it. Because I was excited and you know wanted to be mm. part of the new team, made it worse, and then came back, missed the whole of the season in the Premier League. We got relegated, um, and then came back, you know, raring to go in the Championship, and we, you know, were one of the favourites to go back up. Mm. Did my cruciate, oh. missed the whole of that season, oh, um, and then the last year, I think I made eleven appearances for them in the end, um, in the last year, but it was fits and starts and I was in and out of the gym and trying too hard to get fit and getting little niggles and so that season just kind of passed me by it was the last season last year of my contract at Leicester and it just who, you know, who, it was a disaster who was at Leicester with you you know what what players were in the team then we had it, see they were the era that it was kind of like a rebuild um, and obviously I was brought in as a young lad to try and be part of the rebuild so we had guys like um, Muzzy is it um, mm. Matty Elliott, uh, Jerry Taggart, all of them that had been like Premier League legends for yeah. Leicester, they were all coming towards the end and kind of like moving out and they were kind of trying to rebuild and bring in a new era. Um, so it was it was a funny time, you know. I remember lads like Steve Guppy were just brilliant lads, um, but it was we had a massive turnover of players during the time I was there. Um, and unfortunately, it just began a bit of a rocky period for them, um, which, you know, I kind of sat on the sideline and watched, you know. <laughs> was, was Neil Lennon there at that period of time? No, he, he'd already gone. Had he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. So that was... Um, we had lads like David Connolly came in and he scored a few goals for us and um, Mark DeFries and Craig Levine came in and brought a few of the Scottish lads down and, Mm. Um, yeah, it was just uh, it was a big transitional time in the club, um, but I was always in the injury room, yeah. um, kind of just watching it and wishing I was out there, you know. Yeah, that that, that two year spell though, you know, first you, uh, what was it you said you, you quads or something, and then you you cruise it after that. I mean, two yeah. seasons that must have been terrible from a mental point of view. How, how do you how do you come back from that? You got to be bloody strong, I should think, haven't you? Well, I think the last year. Uh, it was only actually after I spoke to Russ that it kind of all became clear and when I came to Yeovil that it, that it all made sense to me because 
I was in the gym. I'd, I'd come in every morning at nine um, before all the lads came in. They'd train at 10. So I'd kind of like, I'd see the lads who came into the treatment room to get their ankles strapped. And then I'd do my work and go and sit in, have lunch with them. And then everybody would go and I'd do an afternoon session. Hmm. So I kind of like, there'd be a bike sat looking out onto the training ground and I'd sit on a bike and watch them train. And um, it was just, it was really hard, but I was trying so hard to get fit and doing double sessions and lifting weights. I was pound for pound. I could lift the most in the club bench pressing, which knowing me, you know, I'm mm. a little skinny runt, really. It, <laughs> it just, it, I was trying so hard to get fit that mm. I was always tired. Yeah. By the time I got out there to work, I was just getting little niggly injuries. Yeah. So by the time the summer came, Russell just said, look, have a summer off. Um, get yourself mentally ready and then by the time you come for pre-season at Yeovil you're a fit lad you'll be ready to go so I wound up taking six weeks off which I hadn't done in the two and a half years at Leicester because I was just in trying to get fit mm. over summer and that was the, the best thing that I could have done you know so by the time I, I was uh, at Yeovil I think I'd appeared in 40 something games and played 120 minutes away at, at Forest and stuff and it was probably the fittest I've ever been mm. Um, mm. by the time that season ended, you know. More music now, and we've got a very oddly named group called The Snuts and a song called Seasons.
Well, that was the snuts and seasons. Don't blame me, I don't pick them. Yeah, so what I was going to say, obviously, um, you know, that, that game, or those two games, really, the Forest games, was the high spot of your your type, well, plus the final, obviously, uh, at Yeovil. But, I mean, uh, having lost 2-0 in the first leg, what were your thoughts then? You know, did you did you think we had much of a chance? Did you feel you were, you were unlucky? Well, I think, I mean, you'll remember the home game. Their mm. goalie got man of the match. I think it was Paul Smith got man of the match. Yeah. I, I just remember walking off the field thinking, how did we lose that? Mm. We'd had chance after chance. And I mean, we played them three times that year. And I think we felt like we'd lost all three, but we'd been the better team in all three. Mm. Um, so walking off the field that night, I can just remember feeling like this is still wide open. And the next kind of like little period in between, it was all, we were pretty realistic with it. That if Forrest got the first goal, we were going to be in trouble 3-0 down. Um, and that would have lifted the stadium. Mm. But it was always going to be edgy at 2-0. And if we got the first goal, then it was all to play for. And we knew that they were expecting to win. Yeah. Um, so for us, I, I kind of think like we had nothing to lose going up there. And we had a load of confidence that we were, we were in a good spot. Um, so I remember just being excited um, on the way up there, thinking that we had a, a good chance, you know. Um, who was it? Billy somebody that was the manager of Forest then, wasn't it? What was his name? Billy, little short guy. Um, it, it wasn't Calderwood, was it? Was it no, 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 I don't think so. I'm sure it was Billy something, little short guy. Can't think of his name now, but anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I remember Russell... I think did, didn't didn't Russell get was he born in Nottingham or he brought up yeah. in Nottingham because I He's remember it, yeah. when we went up there and um, I don't expect you can remember it now but there was a guy called um, uh, Jed Pittman who worked for HTV or you know, ITV Bristol basically and uh, he knew Nottingham as well he was a and, and he he came up with us and we went round oh and there was a couple of uh, florist shops or something that Russell had, had a interest in or something you know and, and, yeah and and then we I think did we go bowling or something in the afternoon yeah uh, you took know. us bowling on the morning of the game to just uh, get yeah. some to going and take our minds off it that's it you know and ev- everybody was sort of so relaxed to that and and you know you you began to sort of think well am I being stupid here but I'm beginning to think we could win this there's a good atmosphere <laughs> here, you know but then and then I remember I remember um, the forest um, stewards were a right miserable lot and they were getting real far. I was sort of sat on the side like I do, you know, taking pictures and what have you. Oh, and they started getting funny. There was three of us there. And he, he, oh, you can't sit there. Well, where are we supposed to sit? You know, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let us sit. <laughs> and, 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 oh, I mean, I got, and, and yeah, I got some of the best photographs I've ever taken there, especially at the end when everybody was, was rushing up to the crowd. And, you know, when we, God, we, yeah. it was, it was just a magic, magic day altogether, wasn't it? <laughs> and, but, it was, yeah. And then the Being bus. A- the bus trip being back. a derby player being an ex-derby player yeah I had like um, you know because they're so close together I'd had a load of banter that week from a load of derby fans wanting us to do it and a load of forest fans giving me stick and yeah um, so I, I was getting every time I touched the ball I was getting booed there it was uh, <laughs> just, it was special to score at their end I uh, <laughs> ran into the corner and go oh, it, was, uh, it does, was a magical night that Harry does that inspire you when they boo you Oh yeah, that was uh, that was one of the good ones. You know, we we just I remember like early on, it just felt like we were on it. Davos scoring the pretty early goal, mm, yeah, um, 
it, we just, you know, it was one of them nights where you just straight away you're out the traps and felt like it felt like we were all on it. Next up on the music queue is Jerry Cinnamon and a song called Sun Queen. Cause she 
Jerry Cinnamon and the Sun Queen. But when you think of that game, then doesn't it become really sickening when you go to Wembley? Uh, and, I mean, I didn't think Blackpool were that great. I mean, they, they were a workmanlike side and all the rest of it. But, you know, I mean, Marcus Stewart missed a sitter, if I remember, in the first half, I think it was. And, you know, to get it, what, a, what a letdown. You know, it was just such a letdown. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, uh, I, I, the whole lead up to it, we all felt good. It was exciting, and I think uh, in my mind, I was trying to just think, you know, God, in the grand scheme of things, you know, let's not build it up to be too big. And mm. but then, first year at Wembley, and you know, it's like everybody's dream to be there. I, I think, I think much more about the Forest game now than I do the yeah, do Blackpool. the actual Wembley game. Just it was one of them games it just fizzled out into nothing didn't mm, it and they mm. scored a couple of there was a freak goal and, I remember yeah. you I remember coming up and chatting to you I think it was on, after the game or somewhere anyway and you said that everybody was taking photographs before the game and, and actually before the game whereas yeah. Uh, and you didn't think at the time. I think that sort of you thought maybe that was that was the wrong approach at that particular point in the game, uh, because I remember when when Gary Johnson took us there for the uh, the Brentford game where we went to the championship. Uh, he took us there. We did all the did all the pictures and all that that sort of stuff a couple of days before. Yeah. So that when we got yeah. there, it was totally down to the game. Yeah. Well, I think and um, Russ got there the year before. Um, or two years before, who was he yeah, managing? Grimsby, he wasn't he? Over. I think he was at Grimsby or Cheltenham. Um, I think he got got there and lost, and he'd done that. So he took them um, a couple of days before they'd gone and played golf, and then gone to Wembley. He took them around the stadium, and so I think Russell's approach this time was, "We'll just turn up at Wembley on the day." Mm. Um, and so he was trying to change something because he must have thought he'd done it the wrong. Yeah. the year before yeah yeah so i kind of looking back on it i understand i just thought that i, I remember being excited driving up wembley way and seeing all the the green and white everywhere mm. and flags going and stuff i remember getting a bit of a lump in my throat on the bus thinking god this is magical mm. um and so for me personally it probably would have been better to be there a couple of days before and have a walk around and, and get that emotion out of my system yeah, yeah. you know you can and you can't and it's all ifs well, and buts ifs and buts looking abs- back absolutely yeah you're right and of course the bus on the way home god dear me you could hear a pin drop on the way home couldn't you you remember uh, oh, you know geez. it was um, so we actually we got back to Yeovil and nobody had spoken to anybody no. um I'm sat at, so I've got back to my house and I, I didn't want to sort of sit and rot so I text Mildy and said do you want to go at the pub yeah. so we did and then by the end of the night there was like all the lads were at the pub together and you know it was like you know we've had a hell of a season you know never thought that we were going to get there in the first place and you know we, we kind of took on the world that year Yeah. Um, yeah. so at the end of it all I, I remember us all back together and a brilliant bunch of lads and you know it was just one of them things it was a heartbreaker but mm. what a run mm. so you know from Yeovil you went to Burton Hereford Mansfield I mean there's, they went to Kidderminster Harriers Eastwood Town Solihull Moors 
but uh, I get the feeling that all of that period was was always going to be slightly suspect from the injury point of view. In that you 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 couldn't sort of maybe maybe give your all, or you know, or something was going to go yeah. wrong if you did give your all, kind of thing. Well, after that brilliant season at Yeovil, then you know, I think it was second game of the next year, Hereford away. Yeah. 4-0 down at half-time. <laughs> Russ used all his subs. Like, the paint came off the walls. He was so mad at us. Yeah. First thing I did when I ran out second half, nobody around me just ran down a little dip and did my cruise shit again. Oh, no. Um, and so it was one of them, like, Russ had gone so mad that I... You know, <laughs> Played the rest of the half. He got us in running the next morning, um, and only then I told the physio, "Like I think I've done something, done something to my knee." Um, so obviously that was kind of like that was pretty much the end. Um, but the the following season, um, Nigel Clough took me to Burton, um, and we had a brilliant set of lads. And I was more of a, a squad player by then. You know, I'd, I'd mm. lost my speed, which is really what I was. I was good for, um, so I was brought in as a bit of an older head, and uh, we got promoted into the league for the first time in Burton's history, and it was like another one of them brilliant seasons. Um, but I was never the same after after that Yeovil mm. season. I was never, I, I just lost all my speed, and you know, um, so I carried on playing because I loved it, but. Um, I was on my way down then for sure. But the speed was was very much you know one of your assets. It was part of your your game, wasn't it? Your speed. Um, yeah, that was a main part of my my yeah. game really. And once yeah. I lost that, um, I, I was you know I was clever and skillful and stuff. But I needed the speed to get away from people. And yeah, so yeah. I, I loved playing, and I, you know I still love being around it. But. Um, Going into coaching was, you know, the right move when it came. Last bit of music coming up, and it's Biffy Clyro and the captain. Final time 
Right, so I'm going to cut to the chase there because you, you started management at Eastwood Town, according to this, had a spell at Derby, which is possibly when I saw you, I expect. Must have been about that, 2012-13. Yep. That, yep. that was an okay. I, I, I mean, <laughs> the game, everything about that night, that was just, I mean, it absolutely tipped out, if you remember. I was, did, yeah. I was absolutely drenched. And there I am, <laughs> waiting for Gary to come out of the dressing room, and this bloke comes out to me and says, Harry? And I'm thinking, who the hell is, you know, it really, the penny didn't drop. But then it's, of course, when you said who it was. And of course, then I didn't have a chance to really have a proper chat because Gary came out virtually straight after that. And I had to go and do, do all the post-match stuff, which was, which is yeah. a pity, really, because, because I'd always found you were such a nice guy when I was at Yeovil. And you, you remember these things, you notice these things, you know? Um, yeah. But so, so anyway, you, you had this sort of spell, um, even at Sheffield and Sheffield, I said that, that that's Sheffield, the 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 oldest club in the world, isn't it? Is that the Sheffield? Uh, Sheffield FC is yeah. funny that you know uh, on a, on Wikipedia, there's actually another Lee Morris, really, and that's the one who's managed um, the Sheffield FC. That won't me. Oh, now, that's really ah right. He also, he's like a non-league legend in like the northern kind of area. And a coach once rang me trying to sign me off the back of him scoring like 36 (laughs) goals for Buxton or something like that. I never got a deal out of it. (laughs) Well, it's funny because... um, Kirk Jackson, do you, know, do you know Kirk Jackson? He played for us in the conference with inside yeah, uh, a bit before yeah. UK. Well, Kirk was, he, he actually did go there as assistant manager, as it turns out. So there is a Yeovil connection there at, at Sheffield. But really? um, what, what I was going to say was, you know, you're in, you're in sort of non-league teams and, and what have you. And then suddenly you go to America. I mean, let's, let's start the American adventure now. What, what, what brought that about? How did you end up going to America? Um, well, there was a few a, a few reasons really. I think I was I was doing the under sixteens at Derby, and I was kind of bouncing around in the academy there and working with a couple of you know going in and doing little bits. But my next kind of route on the pathway for me was trying to get onto like a, a full time first team staff somewhere. And you know you're only going to last 
a year, 18 months before you get sacked. And then you're going to, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd kind of, you look at the last few years of my career, I'd been a journeyman and bouncing around anyway. So I, I wanted more stability in my life. And uh, there's one game at Derby I'm, I'm coaching and it's like the end of April, springtime. And I'm wearing a scarf bobble hat. The wind's coming in sideways. It snowed, it was hail, it was raining. And <laughs> I just, I was freezing. I couldn't feel my feet when I walked off the field. And um, I thought, if I'm going to be coaching for the next 20 years, I probably should try and find somewhere a bit warmer to go and do it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, that's when I started looking to abroad and opportunities. And um, one, of, one of the lads I used to play with at Sheffield United as an apprentice, He'd moved to South Carolina, met his wife, um, and he's now one of the, he's actually our CEO of the club here now. Um, And so I wound up randomly bumping into him in Alabama on a coaching course. And he said, come and have a look at where we are and see if you'd like it. And so that was it really I, I came here and the, there's brilliant people it's um, three quarters of the year I'm coaching shorts and a t-shirt you know it's boiling up for the majority of the year and um, we get to work with some really good um, kids who are aspiring to either go to university and play or um, or play professionally so it's it's brilliant I love it because because we had uh, a certain Jake Edwards on the show uh, three weeks ago, who, as you know, is, is the uh, president, I think I'm right saying, of, yeah. of the uh, USL. Uh, yeah. Now, you're not in the US, you're in the sort of like Division 2 or Division 3. What? Which one are you in? So what we are, it, it's a totally different setup over here. The league that I coach in is called the USL 2, which would be probably the fourth tier. Right. Um, but it's a three-month league in summer. And so basically what kids do here, they want to go to university, get an education, and then at 23, then they turn professional. So our league is set up where they can play for university three quarters of the year, but in summertime, I try and find the best players in America to come and play for me. All right. And then the league is set up basically as a scouting network to recruit the best players from that league so it, it's one big scouting league is is i what i coaching and uh, we've had guys go and play professionally all over america and over europe after playing for us one of us one of them a goalie just got drafted into the mls this year and um so we're just part of a process that basically gets something on their cv and people can come and watch our games and say well i like him he would be a good professional at us and um, so that's what we do. So is it fair to say that you spend a lot of your time just watching games and looking for players rather than actually physically coaching them? So the rest of the year, we're a kids club. We've got 5,000 kids in our club from under four all the way up to the, the under 23s, which is our yeah. our top team. So the rest of my year, I coach a couple of uh, youth teams, uh, under 19, 17, 16s, yeah. and they're all guys who are either wanting to turn professional at some point, or the majority of them are trying to go to university and carry on their soccer career there um, and get an education alongside it. So it's a bit like I'm coaching lads who are at the age of apprentices who are trying to either go and play professional or carry on their um college life basically um 
So I'm coaching twelve months a year, really. Right. So, so when you're having an away game, then I mean, where you know, how far is away games? I mean, because America's a big country. I mean, you, you know, do you have to travel yeah. far? We do, we do actually. Our our longest away trip, we we play um, South Carolina. We're just above Florida. Right. So our we go right up the east coast. Our furthest away games will be in kind of um, Washington D.C., which is about eight hours north. Right. But we also have like special events over the year. So um, last year I went. We had an event at Disneyland in Florida. We had an event in Vegas. Um, so we're we're all over the place, and them events again are set up for people to come in and scout the players for universities and. Mm. One of our goalies just went to Houston Dynamos on a trial because of uh, the event in Florida. So it's they have ways here of trying to make the the country a little smaller by bringing everybody to to one place. Um, and Vegas, you know, they've got complexes with thirty, forty football fields mm. in one location. The weather's eighty-five degrees and sunny. It's a uh, it so, a bad life, Harry. No, it sounds pretty good to me. I mean, I remember. I had a five-hour wait at South Carolina Airport once uh, on my way to Florida, and I, I can't remember quite how we ended up there. Only so much as I know, we had to we were going to fly into to Tampa, I think, because um, we were staying at a place called Longboat Key in, in Florida, which is really nice. But uh, yeah, I remember it was South yeah. Carolina. We were stuck at this bloody airport for five hours, which took a <laughs> long time to pass. I can tell you. So, so, I mean, do you think American football is is, is really going to hack it this time and really take off? So, I, I think that this is the first time it's existed over here where you can catch... I can watch more Premier League games here live than back home. They're mm. on you can Any channel of TV you go to the pub, they've got every single Premier League game on a Saturday afternoon on. Mm. You can watch German, Italian, it's everywhere. And the money's coming with it now. Mm. So I think when people, if you remember back to the Premier League when it first started, we had Viali and Hullet and Zola mm. and all mm. them came. That was the beginning of the Premier League for us. And I think now with Ibrahimovic and Gerard and Lampard all coming over here, the same things mm. arising where they've realised there's money in it. Mm. So Atlanta now, they sell out 60,000, 70,000 people for each home game that, that they host. And there's a new one just come to Charlotte, which is up the road from me, mm. and they're expecting to be able to have sixty, seventy thousand at their games. So it's it's growing for sure. I, I think. Why wouldn't you want to come and live here if you could? Mm. You know, if you were getting paid for it. So, what sort of crowds do you get at your team? Oh, we're what our view us as is would be sort of Yeovil in the old days. Mm-hmm. So our. Our biggest crowd was, we've had 1,800 for one. We had 1,500 for another. Um, we, we average probably between 800 and 1,000, depending on who we're playing. Um, but we're, our hopes, it would have been good if I could get in touch with Jake, actually, because we're now a target market for a um, professional team. Mm. So um, the dream for me would be for South Carolina United to become a professional club and have that our kids be able to come and play first team for us and have a proper thing because we our city could support it yeah um, well I'll, I'll text you over his details I've got his his uh, 
phone number and his email and what yeah. have you. So yeah, I'll bang it. Rolling with the big dogs, you are, Harry. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, yeah, man. big, <laughs> big time, Charlie. Me, mate. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so um, you know, you, you see your future there now, and do you're quite settled? And, and this is this is definitely home for you now, is it? Ah, definitely. Yeah, I've, uh, I was due to get married um, this summer. But unfortunately, with the coronavirus stuff, that's been put back to next uh, April now, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love it. It's easy. My family can reach me. The mum and dad live in Portugal anyway. Yeah, right, so yeah. it was a it was a flight to see them. Mm. So it's just a different flight now. And Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I can't see me going back, but uh, you never know. So uh, when it comes to this football now and... Um here it is. I've just suddenly seen, including play, oh, playing in the famous one nil win at Old Trafford. Right, okay. There you go. And scoring the winning goal against Spurs. No, I got it wrong. Um, yeah. Now going back to this this coronavirus uh, business. Um, I mean, you said you're going to start soon. We're, we're yeah. looking as though we might over here on June the first. I think they're talking about. But I mean, I, I mean, I watched the German game on Saturday. Uh, behind yeah. closed doors, it was dreadful. It was awful. It was just it's weird, isn't oh. it? I mean, yeah. maybe it's better when it's your team that's playing. Because um, <laughs> I mean, United had a, a behind closed doors game in the in the um, Europa League just before the end of the, yeah. you know. But I, I mean, as as for the future, I, I, I'm seriously. I mean, as for Yeovil, Yeovil got major problems because there's no point in them playing behind closed doors. Absolute waste of time. No. There's no money for yeah. them, and they, they, you know, they need the money to run the club. So yeah. it really does make you wonder what's going to happen. It's worrying. Well, I mean, ours the the under twenty three season was just cancelled um, for us. We're actually it's the the kids part of the club that we'll open, and it'll be like one player per ball. Yeah, and they'll all be ten yards apart, and they'll be doing keepy uppies and crossbar yeah. challenges and stuff like that. So, for us, we'll we're opening it up under like the strictest guidelines, mm. with a view to trying to help kids get out the house and just get around their friends a little bit. Have you um, got a decent bulk supply of malaria tablets ready to give them? We do not, unfortunately. We have uh, South <laughs> Carolina. Yeah, uh, we don't have a lot of much. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> I think the area is so big. We've got so many fields that we'll be able to make it work. Mm. Um, but you just you don't know until there's a vaccine. Yeah. I mean, where's it going to end? Yeah, but Uncle Donald says this is the answer. So you know, he knows, doesn't he, Mister <laughs> Mister Trump? I mean, yeah, he, he knows everything that well, lad, doesn't he? Well, you, you, you obviously you didn't pick up on that because that's what he's doing. I mean, you're not seeing it. He's it's been all over the papers here. He's 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 getting these malaria tablets down his neck apparently because he says it's going to uh, wade off the uh, coronavirus. So, yeah, well, I think a couple of weeks ago he's telling everybody to drink bleach. Yeah, he? that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he's a no, lad, he's isn't he? <laughs> he's a lad. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then, I mean, how, how can you, as president, have a have a barnet like he's got? I mean, it is unbelievable, <laughs> isn't it? I, I mean, I bet it takes about two hours to get his hair done before he even starts uh, <laughs> facing the press. Unbelievable bloke. Look, Lee, it's been really great talking to you again, mate. Really, really appreciate your time. It's been interesting hearing the story and America, and I wish you all the best in your future in America, and uh hope the wedding goes well when you can get round to it. I mean... Uh, Thank you. Um, Great to talk to you and keep in touch. You're out of luck And the reason that you had to care The truth
traffic is stuck. Well, that's it for another week. That was Lee Morris down there in South Carolina. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in again next week and just see who we've got then. And keep listening to Three Valleys Radio.